It's the Cam Egan Show. We're in the building. Garrett, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, man? It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, happy Friday. Dude, happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. Uh, you know, thanks for coming on, dude. I, I feel like we got a lot of... Uh, a lot of cool stuff we could talk about. I just wanted to connect with you and just, uh, just you know, just catch up. But, but uh, first and foremost, maybe why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about what you do, kind of uh, you know your area of expertise and everything like that. Okay, so I'm a personal trainer slash life coach. Uh, I've been personal training since 2013, but I was a kinesiology major at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Um, graduated in 2012. Ended up training in Miami for a little bit at this facility that uh, trains professional athletes in 2015. So like uh, like two years into my training career, I got to go down there for about four months and, and work with the best of the best, which definitely changed my whole perspective on the industry. Uh, went back to Boston, trained a little bit more, was a fitness manager, didn't really like that, um, and realized that I needed to be somewhere warm. So it was either between Miami or LA. So I figured, you know, why not switch it up? Came out to LA, started working at Equinox, um, was there since 2018. And, uh, you know, met a lot of cool people, met, um, you know, just learned a lot from all these great trainers that worked there and uh, helped elevate my own skills. And uh, now it's since the quarantine, it's been um, mostly just private training and uh yeah just basically that's it right now yeah so how did you how did you kind of uh react to the whole situation with with coronavirus happening and actually working for a gym and then transitioning was that kind of like a, a what the fuck it was um uh, you know since 2019 so in 2019 i tore my achilles in september i was oh, 20, wow. playing basketball at venice and that completely like rocked my whole business because I couldn't really be at work that much. I had to get surgery. Uh, I took a lot of time off. Plus that whole year I was traveling for weddings and stuff. So my business was a little bit on the rocks anyway. I was just trying to build it back up um, when I did tear my Achilles, which then kind of killed that momentum. Um, spent a lot of time at home, kind of hit like a you know, slight depressive state, but going to work was the only way I could actually like feel better. And then December came and I got out of my boot, starting to work a little bit more. January came and things were starting to roll again. February, things were looking good. And then March hit and then it was all over. It was just like, you know, this shit is crazy. And it was kind of for, uh, I mean, it wasn't exciting to hear like people were getting sick and dying, but it was an exciting time because it's like, wow, like what's going to, you don't know what's going to happen. Like it's kind of a, a space where you can kind of create whatever you want. Um, Cause it's just like, you, you have to make something happen to survive. So uh, I started working with this woman um, who was a health coach who I met at Equinox and she kind of, fed me clients I was you know making videos for her and her clients and that kept me afloat for a little bit and then when I stopped working with her uh there was just a whole bunch of people that you know there was still a demand to be fit especially people like staying inside all the time sitting around can't go outside so I started doing a lot of virtual sessions 
And then um, when things started to like, you know, open up a bit, I started doing more outdoor training and that's basically what I'm doing now. So when COVID hit, I was, it was kind of like a blessing for me because my business just took off and uh, word of mouth spread really fast. And, and since then it's just been amazing. So um, I know it wasn't a great year for a lot of people, but uh, it, it ended up being a blessing for me. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting. I I feel like that too, and I think a lot of people who are in a situation where they're kind of in control of their destiny from a job standpoint are yep. going through that because you take away the the unnecessary time to get together with people and party or go out and you know I don't know if you're you're doing that even as is. I, I feel like you're a pretty disciplined guy, but I think you know most of us we're we're constantly you know balancing a hundred different things socially whatever and then all of that just got taken out right yeah and yeah. so for me it was like there was this initial period of like what the fuck kind of like depression type of thing but then it morphed into uh yeah. i got all this time on my hands you know let me yeah use this yeah, time in the day time, man yeah and and then yeah. eventually it felt like I was being more productive because I really only had time to just figure out being in the studio, doing this podcast, doing the stuff that actually right. generates success for me as opposed to the six right. hours of a normal day where you're running around, you know, getting lunch with somebody or doing some shit like that. Yeah. And I'm, I miss all right. of that, but it is interesting just the the difference between how hard it's been for some people and it's really, it's really terrible. And... Uh, you know, kind of randomly, it's it's also been an opportunity for for certain people and and different industries, and particularly industries that can adapt to digital, which I feel like health and wellness transitions very well on digital, because at the end yeah. of the day, I feel like the type of stuff that that you do is really dependent on personal relationships too, right? Like it's a yeah. lot of real real connection with people. Yeah, it's like you. You can have the perfect plan, right? But if first of all, you have to execute the plan. And second of all, it takes accountability on, most people need a trainer for the accountability. So just because you're not there physically, it doesn't really matter because they know you still, you still get to meet right. with them, uh, make sure they're doing what they need to do, check in with them and just hold them accountable. And that's, I think the biggest uh, advantage to having a personal trainer is just having that accountability. Um, and I agree 100% this, this quarantine has made people like really sit down with themselves and figure out, you know, what am I going to do with all this time? So it, same thing happened to me. I was just like, for a while, like I only had a few clients. I had like, you know, 10 hours a day for myself, which I thought was amazing. Cause I'm like, all right, I was intentional about it. I was like, I'm going to use this time to do exactly what I've always wanted to do. I like started filming more on YouTube, uh, started doing more re way more reading. Um, you know, I did a podcast and, you know, I feel like it definitely elevated my, my knowledge of, you know, fitness in, in general. Cause I, I got the chance to do like a lot of, um, courses as well like physical therapy courses i learned so much more about anatomy and just the way we're supposed to move so my training skills have gotten so much better because of all the time i had and it's it's like really showing now and it's showing in my clients as well and their in their progress yeah. so it's been really a blessing 
So have you always been kind of a health health conscious pers- person and and you know I know you're an athlete you, you play basketball but was that always kind of the direction you wanted to go in your life or did it become a passion you picked up? You know, it's kind of crazy because as long as I can remember, like my dad was pretty fit. So we'd always, I have like six brothers and three sisters. So we'd always have like push-up competitions, sit-up competitions. Yeah. And it, it was just always like a part of our lives, especially since we all played sports. But from the time when I was about to graduate and I knew, like I didn't know what I wanted to do other than be in shape and work with athletes. Like I didn't even know if there was a major for that. And so then I found out athletic training was a major and I thought athletic training would just be personal training, but athletic training is a whole like different discipline uh, right. based on healing the athlete. But I didn't even know that. So going into college, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go to college, be a personal trainer. And that's what I thought. And uh, it's something I always wanted to do. I always saw myself doing it kind of. So it's kind of a blessing to be, doing my dream job and uh being successful in it really um but yeah I, I never really saw myself doing anything different even though in college I almost wanted to be a physical therapist or athletic trainer because I thought it would be more stable I thought you could make more money in it mm-hmm. uh, but I did a lot of different uh like internships and things like that and it was just so boring to me like having to like sit there and heal someone, which I liked the healing aspect, but it was just too slow pace in the physical therapy office. And I did internships with the athletic training department at UMass Amherst. And it was just not really where I wanted to be because of the time demand that these guys had on them. It was 24 seven, these athletes needed them. So I was like, man, my perfect job would be training at the highest level, like seeing how high human performance could go without having to slave 24 seven and just, you know, also having my own time. Um, but that being said, yes, I've always wanted to be like in the health fitness industry, but I haven't always been, you know, super, super healthy in college. I was partying Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, sometimes Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, my four years in college were just, it was one big party. I actually almost failed out my first year. I was on academic probation. I was like, all right, I got to chill and like actually start to like do my work. Um, and that was just cause you were just, just partying or, I was or just what? partying. And that honestly, I did really well in all my major classes. And then in the classes like political science or like computer science stuff, I like never saw myself using. I just didn't put forth the effort. Yeah. And I just like couldn't find the motivation to do it. So I just wouldn't go to class. I wouldn't do the homework consciously knowing like I'm screwing myself over right now. But, uh, you know, I learned my lesson. I had to write a letter to the dean after that first year. And I was like, all right, I can't fail out. That's, that's not something like that's not who I am. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a failure. failure. So uh, I did way better in my last few years. But the partying didn't even stop after college, like from the age of 22 to 25, 26, maybe even into 27. Like me and my friends were partying every weekend. I lived with all my best friends in Boston. Uh, And it just wasn't the healthiest lifestyle. But I learned a lot from that time because um, I started like getting better with my health once I started seeing like I was getting like, loaded in my gut 
I was like not healing as fast as I should be. Like I was getting like a lot of like little aches and pains, shoulders, knees, stuff like that. And, you know, at a certain point you just say, okay, what am I doing in my life that's conducive to my goals? And what am I doing that's actually pulling me away from my goals? And then naturally you start to weed things out, you know, it it just doesn't, it's not sustainable living that kind of lifestyle. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I felt that progression too. I mean, I I feel like when you're, I'm about to turn 28 in a couple of weeks here. I, I feel like when you start approaching those those later 20s, it it feels different mm-hmm. in terms of being able to withstand going out yeah. all night yeah. and drinking or eating bad. Like the biggest thing for me is has been the shift in what I'm eating and and how. Yeah eating certain things really does make a big difference in how you feel on a day to day. And I didn't used to be like that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and I've, I've started paying a lot more attention to what I'm eating. I've always been back and forth with, with exercise and stuff like that. You know, I'll have moments where I'm, I'm more into it than, than not right now. I'm in a, a good place with it. I've been working out a lot with, uh, my boy who, who I know from, from back East as well, who's also a trainer and, and he, he and I have been doing virtual sessions and, so I've been in a good place from an exercise standpoint, but as you get older and you start to feel things more, you realize that it's this holistic approach that really makes the difference. It's not Everything. just the exercise, yep. it's the nutrition, maybe even more so. Exercise might only be, you know, 10, 20% a of it. It's a small part of it, man. You know? I tell my clients yeah. that all the time. Like, and And it's like, yes, it's a small part of it, but it's actually a huge part of it too because when you start exercising – you start doing other things in your life that are conducive to your exercise goals. So it's like, that's the biggest thing about exercise yeah. is, is that it just builds better habits. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And it builds discipline too. Like when you're in your set and you're like, damn, I have five left. It hurts, but I'm right. going to keep going. So you're, you're training your mind to do something that it doesn't, your body doesn't want to do. And that builds like a callus. It builds that discipline and it shows everywhere else in your life when you uh, do it consistently. But yeah, you're completely right. Like it's only a small part of the actual like weight loss journey because, uh, you know, the biggest things when it comes to losing weight is not going to be that one hour that you're working out out of the 24 hours in the day. It's going to be what you're putting in your body. It's going to be how you're sleeping and it's going to be how stressed you are throughout the day as well. So it it all connects to each other. And then on the other side of that coin, exercise is going to help de-stress it's going to help you sleep better and it's going to make you want to eat better if you want to reach your goals and feel your best while you're working out so it's all intertwined yeah so what do you what do you do when you take on a new client or you're dealing with somebody who's who doesn't have that discipline and wants to build that discipline i feel like anytime i'm listening to somebody talk on this you know that's what i want to know so i i, I bet some people are thinking right now like you know what what are the steps that i can take you know, reasonably to, to start to build that discipline in my life and take that holistic approach because it's not just showing up for 30 minutes. It's a whole top down approach. Right. So everyone's different, right? Everyone has different wants and needs, but I think the key is to find something that you want to do and make it easy enough for you to start doing it. So like if you set a huge goal, like a lot of people set, uh, New Year's resolutions and these big lofty goals and you're not, you're not even sure how you're going to get there but that's the goal you want 
you need to break that goal down into the smallest possible component and start from there. And maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the actual goal, but it will help make that goal easier. Like, um, I think a really great habit to help build discipline is make your bed every morning. I feel like that is the first thing you do every day. You get out of bed. And if you accomplish that, you feel like, okay, now what's the next thing I get to accomplish? You feel good about yourself and you, you want to keep that momentum going. So I feel like making your bed is a, a really huge um, uh, habit that you can instill that will help you build discipline in other areas of your life. Another one that I like to tell my clients is first thing in the morning, drink a big glass of water. Not only is it going to help build your metabolism, uh, increase your metabolism, it's going to, and you lose a lot of water in your sleep, so you need that water anyway. But just the act of having a routine in the morning is going to help like build discipline in the rest of your life. So I always try to like focus on people's morning routine and get them to have like a structured routine in the morning that they can, you know, do without even thinking anymore. And then that way you can build on top of that, on top of that, on top of that. So if someone gets really good at making their bed and then having a glass of water, I'll say, okay, after you have your first glass of water in the morning, let's have you stretch for five minutes. And that will be part of your morning routine. And that's conducive to their goals. Because if you're tight and all that, you're going to, you know, have a greater chance of getting injured. So it's just like little things like that, that you need to do to build the discipline that don't seem that hard to do that have these huge effects in your life and for your goals. When does it really turn into a habit? You know, I know they say like, oh, it takes, what is it? Like it takes two weeks to build a habit or, or something like that. Yeah. But, you, know, you know, that's a myth. I go back that's and forth myth. with stuff like that. Yeah. It's a myth because, okay, so when we get, you know, our, our new phone or whatever, how long does it take for you to like, you know, let's say you download Instagram for the first time. How long does it take for you to get addicted to Instagram, scrolling on your Instagram? It takes right. one day. Yeah, right. So it all depends on That's how you point. feel about whatever you're doing. So uh, like I read this book called Tiny Habits, and one of the biggest things I took from that was people change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. So the actual emotions that are connected to the habit are what makes the habit really stick and make your behavior do it without like being in your subconscious. So uh, let's say like you have that glass of water in the morning. The best thing that you can do to instill that habit is celebrate. Like any celebration that is genuine will help to instill that habit. So let's say like your celebration is just like a fuck yeah, like a fist pump. Like do that after your habit and it will instill in your brain that habit feeling good so you'll want to do it more subconsciously. So it doesn't take long if you feel good about it. That's real. I like that a lot. That, what is it? The feeling good. What was people that change best by feeling good, not by feeling bad. Yeah, yeah, that makes so yeah. much sense. Those positive reinforcements like that. That that's yeah. interesting. It's what Instagram uh, is built off of, man. People get the serotonin and the dopamine right uh, secretions. And yeah, that's rolling. true. That's true. Yeah. So if you know that, yeah, how do you kind of take advantage of that and kind of hack that into your own that's life all, a little exactly. bit? Exactly. Right? Understanding. The concept and that's all people. those little habits are. Right. 
right making the bed doing these things like it's just it's just a little hack on your brain to actually reinforce more positive exactly. actions and stuff exactly. like that exactly yeah what do you think about coffee in, in terms of uh, yeah. you know, all the, how, this whole conversation um, that's a great question as, as I'm sitting here drinking <laughs> coffee so what time is it right now it's like 3 o'clock so that coffee is going to be yeah this this is my second one of the day I drink a lot of so, coffee well, my next question for you, if you were my client, would be how's your sleep? Because coffee, I try to get my my clients not to drink coffee after like 9 or 10 o'clock because coffee has a half-life yeah. of 12 hours. So that means, or quarter-life, I can't remember which one, but it's going to be in your system for like 12 hours. So this cup of coffee and the caffeine in it is going to be activating your brain until 3 a.m. So what that means is that so we have this these adenosine receptors in our brain. Adenosine is what builds up and creates a sleep pressure at night. So when you're watching Netflix at night and you can't keep your eyes open and you're just nodding off and you're trying to fight it, that's the adenosine at work. But the caffeine hijacks those receptors. So if you have a lot of caffeine in your system, what's going to happen is you're not going to have the same amount of sleep pressure. What that does is it creates... Um, your sleep, you might not fall asleep as easily. You might have, you know, a lot of thoughts in your head at night or like just racing mind. Or if you do fall asleep, which a lot of people can fall asleep after drinking a lot of coffee, but what they're not realizing is that they're not getting the deep, deep sleep that um, actually creates mm -hmm. like a healthy body and mind. So you're going to have like a lot lighter sleep. Your brain waves don't go as deep. So you're not secreting the same, the, uh, amount of hormones that you need to like boost your immune system, recover from your workout, stuff like that. Just be younger. Sleep makes you younger. It's crazy. So I always focus on people's sleep first and I try to get them not to drink coffee after like 10 o'clock ish, but it's important not to like go cold Turkey from like three o'clock to 10 o'clock. Yeah, I would suggest right. Be like, All right, right. make your last cup of coffee at two 30 tomorrow. You know what I mean? and just work your way back. And then, yeah, wean it down from there. What are some of the indicators that you might not be getting that type of deep sleep that you really want? Because I feel like I sleep pretty yeah. good, but I'm off of coffee all day because yeah. my brain, the way that it works during the day, I just want to go. Mm -hmm. And the coffee gives me that clarity to focus mm -hmm. on one thing. Yeah. And, you know, otherwise I'm kind of all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And and yeah. that's pro that's probably me just uh that's probably me just trying to uh you know give an excuse for for the addiction to the caffeine. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's the caffeine talking right there. You know, I feel I feel like I have a good relationship with coffee and I don't feel like I have a bad relationship with sleep. I actually feel pretty good about my sleep patterns. I don't sleep a ton else. Well, I, I sleep seven hours okay. usually. Seven seven so, hours. And but I don't know if it's that deep sleep that you're talking about. That yeah. So, so uh, this book, Why We Sleep, I think is a really good book for anyone to read. Um, I learned a lot from it. And one of the main things I learned from it is that when we're sleep deprived, we don't even know it. It's like we're just going through life and we're, we're not even aware of the cognitive effects that it might be having on us. We're not aware of, um, you know, the recovery that we're missing out on or like the assimilation in our brain to like take information that we learned yesterday to actually like remember it um, and just like perform at our best. So some indicators might be, you know, 
I don't know. It could be like you get sick. It could be uh, you just have lack of focus. It could be um, you don't recover from your workouts as fast. Inflammation, uh, weight gain. Could be a lot of different things, honestly. But uh, like I said, most people don't know when they're sleep deprived. And most people um, that get like six or seven hours, and seven hours isn't bad, but when you say seven hours, I'm assuming that you're saying you're in bed for seven hours, which is not actually the same as sleeping for seven hours. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, get like a whoop or something, get like uh, Apple watch, something to tr help track your sleep. So you can actually see what your, um, mm -hmm. what your sleep is like. So when I got this, this is the whoop. It tracks my sleep. It tracks my strain for the day. So my physical activity, and it tracks how recovered I am based on my heart rate variability. So if your heart rate variability goes low, that means your body hasn't actually recovered based on your central nervous system. And so I didn't know any of this uh, data before I got the whoop. And I was like, yeah, I'm a great sleeper. And then once I got the whoop, I'm like, okay, I was in bed for eight hours, but I only slept for six hours because it's like some of the time you're mm. awake. So you wake up at periods of the night. And you don't even you remember don't, that necessarily. No, exactly. That's the thing with alcohol too. You have these micro wake-ups that don't even realize. That's why people like sleep forever after drinking, but still feel exhausted when they wake up. So um, right. I would suggest getting a whoop to really track your sleep and, and see where you could be better. Um, but you know, I feel like consistency is the best thing. If you're really consistent with your, with the time that you're going to sleep, chances are your sleep is going to be pretty good. Um, even if it's just seven hours, you can still get great sleep with just seven hours. If you're going to bed at like the same time every day, you have the same nighttime routine and stuff like that, but there's definitely ways to improve your sleep for sure. So the biggest thing about sleep is the consistency aspect yeah. of it, right? Like the yeah. same time, going to bed, waking up, kind of getting in that rhythm. Exactly. In your That's body. the biggest thing. That's the first thing I try to tell people to do when they're like focusing on sleeping better. Just set a bedtime. Yeah. So what's, what's your sleep schedule like? Man, I'm pretty disappointed in my own sleep schedule right now because it's been crazy. Like <laughs> I try to be in bed by, I try to be asleep by like 930. But that doesn't always happen. Okay. You know, basketball games are on, sure. you know, it's tough living on the yeah. West Coast, man, because... Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot different. Plus, my whole family's on the East Coast, and it's everyone wakes up earlier over there, so I'll get texts like in the morning or whatever. But right. uh, sometimes I'll have really early clients, which doesn't allow me to sleep as much as I want. So it's kind of all over the place. And then sometimes it's just me not being disciplined enough to just go to bed on time. But uh, when everything goes well... I'll like, I'll have my whole nighttime routine. So just like a morning routine is important. I figure having a good nighttime routine is, is just as handy. So I try to, um, I eat, try to eat before seven o'clock because the food is going to affect your sleep. I try to play a little piano right after I eat. I'm not very good. And then I try to read for a little bit and then write in my journal and then I'm in bed sleep in after that say what i'm grateful for and then i'm i'm asleep um that happens 
recently it's been happening like once or twice a week. Things are kind of crazy right now, but like when things are going good, I can feel it. You know what I mean? When you get good sleep versus that, you know, fragmented sleep. Yeah. You know, that, that's an important thing that I think needs to be said. We all aspire to do these type of things every single day and have it be this daily discipline. But if you don't necessarily get to it that day, it's more important to understand that it's okay and to go and try and do it the next day than it is to harp on the fact that you didn't do it and feel bad about it. Right. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. It's important not to beat yourself up. Yeah. Things aren't going to always be perfect. It's progress over perfection. Now, do, do dreams play a part into the quality of sleep that you're getting at all? Or, or is that just a Absolutely. byproduct? Yeah. Yo, my dreams are crazy sometimes. And a lot of times it depends on what it, what I eat. But, like, I have the most vivid dreams that I'll wake up in, like, a cold sweat. Like, oh, shit, my best friend just died. And I was like, oh, wait, it was a dream. But, Those are the like, worst when it really feels real. Messes. Yeah. Yeah, man. That stuff messes with your sleep. But I think, I feel like sometimes my dreams are like crazier than most people's because I'll tell my like friends and family and they'll be like, yo, what are you talking? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. I never have dreams like this. So maybe it's just me. I don't have a lot of dreams, but I've smoked a lot of weed in my life. And I I think that there's some correlation there between uh, smoking weed and not having as many dreams. And then when you stop smoking weed, the dreams will come back. Maybe that's what happened to me. Yeah. Because... Yeah, you're right. Whenever I smoke, I don't dream that much. And then when I don't smoke, my dreams are crazy. So that probably is part of it. You know, something interesting about like smoking weed, the whoop like will ask you like, so you have like a journal in the whoop and they'll ask you things like, okay, what time did you put your blue light blocking glasses on? Did you smoke marijuana? Like how much? And every time, like I've said, I've smoked marijuana, it says, okay, your slow wave sleep, which is your deep sleep, was like 10% better when you smoked. So my recovery always gets better when I smoke. Wait, so this thing tracks when you smoke and, and the health implications of it? Yes, bro. That's it's crazy. crazy. Like so much data. It's insane. So wh- what is this doing? This is, this is, this is, it's called the Whoop and it's like basically an Apple Watch on, on steroids or what? Basically, so it's all focused around sleep and it will, based on like, it's the last couple of minutes before you sleep, it'll like measure your heart rate variability, which is how much your heartbeat changes um, based on like whatever you're thinking or like your breath or whatever it is. Um, so if your heart rate variability is really high and it's only compared to you, so you can't really compare your heart rate variability to someone else's, but it will take that number and pull up like how recovered you are based on that. So if your heart rate changes a lot, that's a good thing. It's really adaptable at that point. That means you're really recovered and your central nervous system is responding well. But if and that's through like, the whole uh, night of sleep or, or so just it's usually in those in moments last, before? They take the data from the last few minutes of your or last, like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of sleep or something like Got that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So. That's how they figure that out. But it's, I mean, I feel like it's been such a great gift um, from my, one of my exes got it for me. It's been one of my favorite things just to look at like, okay, my recovery is super low today. 
that means my workout should be, you know, a little bit more chill so I can recover better for tomorrow. So I can gauge my own workouts based on my recovery and my sleep. Yeah, I had the I had the Apple Watch for uh, a couple weeks. I bought one. So my dad passed away in, in September. Oh, um, wow. Sorry to hear and, that, man. Yeah, no, thank you. He, he was He was a great guy. And one of the reasons I started doing this podcast, he really inspired me to kind of just take that leap. But uh, he, he passed away, uh, of heart disease. And so, um, you know, it it really kind of triggered this, uh, kind of just, uh, excitement for me to care about health and fitness even more than I already was and, and particularly nutrition and all that stuff. So one of the things I did after, uh, I came back from being in Boston uh, when that whole thing happened was, was get an Apple watch to just kind of start tracking some health and fitness stuff and just kind of incentivize myself to just get up and run around. You know, they do the whole thing like, you know, get up right. every hour or whatever. So I had that for like right. three weeks. And then I went and I went, uh, I went to go get a coffee one day and the watch was in my pocket. I didn't have it on my wrist. And I think it fell out of my pocket as I was getting out of my car. So then I go back home and I'm like, where's my watch? So then I pull up, like find my, my iPhone app. And I see that the watch is just like right where the coffee shop is. I'm like, oh shit, that must have like fall, fallen out of the car. So I drive back, uh, go to my parking spot. The watch is just on the ground, just completely shattered. Oh man. And I'm just like, fuck. So I had the watch for three weeks wow. and then it was, and then it was $300 to replace the screen. And I was like, you know, I could just buy a new one with this, but I just never got around to, to getting another one. Yeah. And but it was an interesting experience having the watch. You know, I loved the health and fitness aspect of it and the sleep aspect and that. But I didn't love that it really actually made me even more locked in to the notifications and my phone yeah. and all that shit. And it was starting to play like this trick on my brain where, oh, another text bzz, bzz, on, yeah. on the wrist, you know. How fast and you get addicted. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, like you get so uh just classically conditioned so yeah. quick with that yep. shit yep you know but this I thing sounds interesting because it's yeah, yeah go ahead um yeah i was just talking to a client yesterday who is trying to decide between the whoop and the apple watch and she said exactly that like having your life on your wrist is just going to like create even more of that um maybe anxiety or stress or whatever it may be for that person yeah. but it's just like you're attached to it at all times now. There's no getting away from it. Um, so that's why if if you're someone who doesn't want to be attached to their notifications all day, and I feel like it can help you be a little bit more present if you're not attached to the notifications all day, which being present helps decrease your stress levels, which in turn helps you lose weight because your cortisol levels aren't going to be too high. I would suggest the WHOOP for that reason because you get all the data – and it's right on your phone, and uh, it's very in depth. But you don't have to see. There's no screen on this thing, and it's right. like, it's pretty simple, you know, pretty sleek. Um, the only thing is, I feel like it's uh, thirty dollars a month versus just buying, you know, the Apple Watch outright, and then you don't have to pay for you know any service after that, you know. Right. So Whoop is definitely making their money. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to figure out how to get that monthly income. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. But 
yeah, definitely. If you're looking for a new, you know, gadget, go with the Whoop. For sure. Yeah, I feel like the Apple Watch would be a great concept if it was the only thing that I had. Right. If I didn't, you know, if I didn't have the phone and I just had the Apple Watch, you know, now that kind of makes sense to me because mm. you're getting rid of this thing in your pocket. Right. But to have both, it's like, you know, it's yeah. kind of crazy. You know, you got the watch and the iPad on the couch and your uh -huh. Apple phone in your pocket and the right. laptop. It's like, fuck, man. Bro, it's, it just takes us, like I said, it takes us out of the present moment when we have all yeah. this other stuff that we have that we're always, you know, feeding our brain. Uh, it never gives our brain a chance to just chill. I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons people like gain weight and like uh, have anxiety. Depression is uh, linked to it. Um, actually, one of the things I got to do over the quarantine when quarantine first hit was there was this free course. It was a Yale course called the Science of Well-Being. And this woman started making the course because she was seeing all the numbers of suicides and, you know, depression go up from college kids. And so she created this course to show people like, okay, like, here are the things we think are matter that matter. And here are the things that actually matter. And like, here is the, the difference that we're seeing right now and what people think matters and what versus what actually does. So one of the things was being on social media and, you know, getting that dopamine release, just scrolling down your phone, seeing how you're comparing your life to everyone else's life when it's just a highlight reel. It's none of it's really real. I always say Instagram is all cap, man. So it is. It, yeah. It just like if you're not aware of it, it can really take a toll on your mental health. So all these notifications and stuff, it it's like not only is it taking a toll on the mental health, but that relates directly to our physical health. Because what we think is how we how we, you know, build our, our actual body, you know. Every thought affects our body with hormones and, and all this other stuff. So it's so important to focus on like what you're feeding this I think first and foremost so what are some steps there I mean obviously there's you know probably the idea of just trying to be more mindful and maybe getting into meditation and stuff like that but what are what are tangible steps that we can take to detach ourselves from the instant gratification of social media because uh you know it's it's like uh it's like having a food addiction or having you know if you are an alcoholic, mm -hmm. you can stop drinking alcohol and, you know, that helps the situation. But if you're a food addict, you can't stop eating food. Yeah. You just have to learn how to have a positive relationship with food. Right. And I don't think a lot of people are willing to completely give up social media. Nah. But they need to learn how to have a positive relationship with it and, right. and have boundaries. Right, right. You know? So I feel like if that that was an easy question to answer like this would be yeah, not you'd be rich it wouldn't be an issue yeah i'd be <laughs> rich right now um but you know from personal experience i've definitely gotten sucked into like scrolling for hours like looking at my time on instagram like three hours like i just think to myself what can i do with three hours like if i wanted to be productive like how much more could i get done and that's something like I wanted to focus on during quarantine. But recently I was noticing that I was still on there like way too much. So I recently just put timers on all my apps um, to make sure I wasn't on there as much. And I feel like that helped. 
and it's just an easy, you know, you don't really have to think about it. Once the phone says you're done, you're done. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's one way to do it, but it's tough, man. It's really so tough. that gives you a set time and you just can't, you can't go on it more than whatever it is, 15 minutes right. or, or, you know, I, so I originally said it and a lot of my business and a lot of my communication is through Instagram, my DMS and stuff. So I kind of yeah. have to be on there, but one thing I, right. one thing I've done in the past as well is I've muted a lot of the things that weren't helping me. So I muted, um, things that weren't related to fitness or mindfulness or like physical therapists, stuff like that. I've, I just muted all those posts. So all I was seeing was things that were actually helping my goal. Uh, did that for a while back in 2017 and it helped so much. I learned a lot in that time actually. And then recently, um, since I do have to be on my phone, I'll like set the timer for 30 minutes. And then if time runs out, I'll just add one minute or add all, I'll add five minutes. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So yeah, it doesn't allow me to, it reminds me, yo, you got to get off of here, man. Right. Right. <laughs> Still a limit, but you have a little bit of flexibility there. Right. That's what's tough for me too. It's like, it's not just a situation where I'm doing this solely for social interaction or something like that. Mm -hmm. I want to build my brand and, you know, that's what's tough about social media is, is that in the one hand it's this great tool right. great to tool. build a business or to build your brand personally. But then there's all these characteristics that come along with it that just reel you in and they do such a good job mm -hmm. of trying to get you to just Bro, they do everything. be a, be a consumer of the content as opposed to, cause I don't think there's as much bad about being, uh, a producer of the content as, as there is about the negative effects of consuming too much yeah. social media content. I think that what you, you just know? said is the key. Like nothing is inherently good or bad, right? It's what we make of it. So right. like if you're, let's say you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, you're not real. you don't have any real intention with it. I think that's the key is being intentional with the way you use it. So you can then use it to your advantage. It's the same thing with money, right? Like, if you're not intentional with the way you're handling your money, your money is not going to stick around very long. Yeah, that's a good analogy. You know, so I think it's the same with everything in life is just being intentional. And that all starts with awareness. So that's why I think meditation is a great tool for building self-awareness and, and focus right. and discipline. What do you think about these like meditation apps? It's kind of funny to me because it's almost counterintuitive yeah. to have an app. Yeah, it's kind of funny, to, right? Right. Um, I think with anything, like you don't want to become too obsessed with anything because if you're obsessed with anything, you're like not actually being like present or like, you know, in the moment. So I don't think it's good to be too obsessed with anything. But like, like we just said, it's just another tool. I don't usually use many of the apps um, for meditation. I did when I first started because uh, like I didn't, I had no idea how to meditate and it was like a very foreign thing to me. So I used the calm app and it led me through like a couple minutes, like two, three minutes. And then I increased the five and the 10. Uh, and over time you just start to understand what it means to like meditate, which I think a lot of people have, you know, you know mixed ideas about. But I think the apps are a good tool for beginners or maybe if you like 
if you have a certain intention that you want to go into your meditation with, you can find on the app, like, okay, I'm going to do a gratitude meditation or I'm going to do a, an abundance meditation, something like that. So they can be really good tools, I think. But I don't use them that often. I usually just try to find one on YouTube or I'll just meditate in silence with no sound at all. Um, and that's usually like the way I like to do it. Do you experiment at all with different types of meditation or is it always kind of the same same way yeah. for you? Or I've definitely done a lot of different types of meditation, like meditation where it's like guided and there's you know someone talking the whole time, talking through it about whatever it might be. And I've done like, man, I, I've done like the energy center meditations where you're focusing on each energy center. I've done like, you know, rewiring your subconscious meditations. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. The, I think the main thing about any meditation is just coming out of the meditation with a different state of being, you know, like different than when you got in there. So finding that present moment that now relaxing your body, just relaxing into it and just watching your thoughts as they go by and not like judging them, not like going with them, getting too attached and having that thought process just go crazy and just bringing your back, bringing yourself back to that present moment over and over again. That is actually the skill because you then take that skill to your daily life. And if you're not, taking the skill and that energy to your daily life, then it's like, I'm not going to say pointless to meditate because you get a lot of benefits just from slowing your brain waves down in that short amount of time. But uh, I think the key is to take it into your daily life. So like when you have a situation at work or a situation with a friend or coworker and they make you upset about something, you can then react more appropriately in those situations that will be more conducive to your own happiness and well-being. Right. So obviously nutrition plays a huge role in this, but talk to me a little bit about your, your opinions on nutrition. Are so are you vegan? Yeah. So I've been vegan since like 2017 and wow. Yeah. I first, when I first started about like hearing about veganism back in like 2015, I was like, I could never do that. And I think most people say that to me when they ask me if I'm vegan. They're like, I could never do that. But like, I feel like, you know, the things we think we can never do, we just sit on for a little bit and then we're like, oh, okay, maybe I could. And then it becomes your reality eventually. But so why did you, why did you find the vegan path? Like, so my best friend, how did that come about? Uh, my best friend from college, he's vegan and he watched Forks Over Knives. And he texted me right after he watched it. He's like, bro, you got to watch this. And I was like, all right, fine. Like, this is my best friend. I trust him with everything. So I was yeah. hung over one day in my bed, just threw it on Netflix. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. But like, why haven't I heard about this before? How much can I actually trust this? So at that point, I stopped drinking milk uh, with my cereal. And my diet was terrible at this time. And I would eat cereal for breakfast chicken patties for every other meal with like barbecue sauce. And that was it. Sometimes have some like rice and some broccoli. Maybe it was terrible. So it just, that I think sparked my awareness of what I was putting in my body a little bit back in 2015, but nothing changed that much besides the milk 
Um, and I was still eating like, you know, everything. Burgers and pizza were my favorite things, and chicken wings. So back in 2017, I watched What the Hell. And that was like very eye-opening because it was trying to... Yeah, that was a Did good one. Did you see one. that one? Yeah, that one made me go vegan for like yeah, two months. crazy, right? <laughs> so I saw it one time and I didn't even go vegan. I was just like, whoa, this shit's crazy. And then I was like, I got to show this to my family. So I showed it to my family and I saw it for a second time. I was like, shit, maybe I should change the way I'm doing things. And I still didn't change after that. And then I had to show it to my friends when I got back to Boston. It was like all in one week. And I had just gone grocery shopping right when we were watching it. And I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm a personal trainer. Like if I don't at least try to like be healthier, and at least try to experience what it's like not to eat meat, then I'm actually doing myself and my clients a disservice. So I was like, I threw, I either gave away or threw everything out that I just bought like 20 minutes before I watched that movie. Cause you had just in a non-vegan shop right before and just bought a bunch of crazy Bro, shit. It was chick. It was, I got, had packs of chicken I had like yeah. so, like turkey sausage, eggs, all that. And I just yeah. was like, man, I got to give this up right now. Like I have to at least try it. And it took me three times of what the hell to actually do it. And then, so I didn't put a label on it or anything like that, which I think is most people's biggest mistake when they're like experimenting with it. Um, but like, so for during the week I would be vegan didn't know what to eat. I didn't know how to eat. I would be eating oatmeal for every meal pretty much. And I lost a ton of weight. But then on the weekends, we'd be partying, pizza, chicken wings, burgers. Like I didn't really think about it and I didn't want to put a label on it. It's because I knew just doing a little bit less meat would be better. You know, it's like what's better, yeah. what's worse. And then after like a month or two of doing that, it just became easy to be vegan. Plus I started learning a lot more. Um, and then I just gave up all animal products completely and a couple of resources that helped me like solidify my veganism was um this book called how not to die by dr michael greger that book like really shook me because it said like the top 15 ways people die are preventable with lifestyle changes and it gave me so much like information and it was all like based on studies done it wasn't just like someone's opinion it was all factual information so i was like damn like i gotta tell everybody like when you first go vegan you feel like you gotta tell everyone right, when, right but not everyone's right. ready to hear it so yeah they don't want to listen right. to that. Yeah. so it was like i started to learn like okay just do me uh trust the science see how i feel and then my main worry was that I wasn't going to be able to put on muscle mass because I lost a ton of weight right when I first did it, but that's because I wasn't eating. And then, but I got really lean. So I was like, okay, this is good. I'm super lean. Maybe I can just like start eating more and put on some mass. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah, it's history from there. That's what was hard for me. I watched What the Health and I, I, me and my girlfriend did the vegan thing for two months and I, I've talked about this before on the mm -hmm. podcast. It's just hard because I feel like if I had all my time to commit towards a vegan lifestyle, I could do it and get enough of what I need because 
the way that my body works, I'll, I'll lose weight mm. super quick because I, I, I don't even really, my body doesn't need to eat a lot. It, like I don't feel like I'm always trying right. to eat. And so it's hard for me to just get enough calories that I'm supposed to be eating on a daily basis as right. is. So then when I did the vegan thing, I felt like I just didn't have the time to make the right meals and, and do all that. And again, I, I don't think that that's really true. I probably could spend time figuring out what those meals are that could that could help right. move the needle. But that was my experience was is that it was such a time-consuming thing and I didn't know the right stuff to eat to get up to that right. calorie level, right? you know, where I'm not going to lose weight rapidly because I, I can't afford to lose weight. I'm already skinny <laughs> bro, as is. Bro, I was right there, bro. You know? I lost like 15 pounds. And so it's hard to find that balance, yeah. yeah. It is tough because... So what type of stuff are you eating? So if you're like, if you're like us, you lose weight fast. It's scary, you know. You start to lose weight, but luckily I had a girlfriend at the time who would, you know, help me out with meals and stuff like that. Um, I couldn't cook rice for the life of me, and she would like help me with the rice. I still can't cook rice. That's why I got a rice cooker. It's, so you find things that make it easier for you, but it is it can be difficult at first. That's why I think people should you know, start small, kind of like what we were talking about with just building discipline or building good habits, just start really small. I the first thing I would suggest is just add in more vegetables to what you're already doing, you know, and then eventually those vegetables take the place of some of the other stuff that you're eating and you just slowly ease your way into it. I feel like that's the best way to go because the all or nothing approach hardly ever works. So what I, what I normally eat, is like rice and beans with um, sweet potatoes. I chop up some sweet potatoes, put them in the oven, bake them. Um, mushrooms, saute mushrooms and spinach in water. I don't use oil to cook anymore. And uh, then I just mix it all together with some coconut curry sauce. And I've been eating that for the last two, three years, and I'll never get sick of it. Um, and then I'll switch it up sometimes, you know, like I'll do the mock meats. I'll do like fake chicken patties and meatless like uh, burgers and stuff like that. Cause I still love the, the way that stuff tastes. And people always say, well, what about soy? What about, you know, is that actually healthy? No, it's probably not that healthy, but compared to eating a real burger. Right. Yeah. It's healthier. So you got to compare it. Like, am I healthier than before? And that's how you got to look at it. Plus I'm a personal trainer. So I'm on my feet all day working out, you know, five, six days a week. I can get away with eating some stuff that are quote unquote not healthy. But um, yeah, it's all about like the balance and the comparison of what you're doing versus what you're doing now and just slowly moving towards progression. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that book. I'm, I might have to read that because I'm always interested in trying to optimize in that stand yeah. standpoint from a nutrition, health, wellness, overall perspective and looking at, looking at some examples of why things have worked for, for certain groups of people, like, you know, the mm -hmm. Mediterranean uh, example of the way that th the people live in Greece and Italy and in these areas where people are living to 110 you know. years old, like consistently. Yeah. And it is really the plant-based diet, but they're eating exactly. some meat, you know, they're eating a yeah. lot of fish, yeah, right? And maybe some meat, but it's not as much to me, like as you do some of that kind of reading on that type of stuff, it's not as much, you know, 
about whether or not they're eating meat as, as it is about they're eating so many vegetables and they're just not eating. Exactly. I was just going to say that. And they're eating whole foods. Like they're eating whole foods. They're not eating processed foods. Like the American diet is the problem. And eating meat is probably not a good thing either. But, you know, the issue that we have in America is the processed foods, the easy access to so much caloric food, the fact that lower income communities are incentivized to eat at McDonald's because you can feed five people for 20 bucks. Crazy, bro. I grew up on McDonald's. Those are the problems. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it's horrible. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that motivated me to be vegan and stick with it was the fact that I am a black man that, and I see my dad came from the South. He came from Jackson, Mississippi, half of his family. He was probably the only one that's actually healthy. Half of his family has diabetes right now. A lot of them growing up were overweight, losing teeth. Like his, his mom died from kidney failure from diabetes. So like that happened when I was seven years old and I, that sticks with you when you're that young. So, like, my dad would always preach, you know, that poisoning your body, da 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 And so it, like, it changes the way you see things. And being a black man as a vegan, I feel like I can be a good role model for, you know, the black community to, you know, start thinking about the way we're eating because the things that are presented to the black community are not conducive to their health. Like, every... Uh, Burger King commercial is going to be black people on there. Every Popeye's chicken commercial is going to be, you know, mostly black people. So yeah. the way it's being marketed is to these lower economic communities. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of crazy. Like, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think that was all. I, I don't remember what else you said. It's, well, it's, it, it reminds me of, mm. of cigarettes, right? It's, it's yeah. really similar. And you're right. It disproportionately affects right. the black community. And it's it's just staggering when you kind of do some of that yep. research to see the health problems that are affecting the black community based on, you know, that, that a lot of right. it is stemming from, it's, you know, just the nutrition yeah. aspect. And it's not genetic, right? It's not genetic. It's environmental. Right. No. It's the environment that, that it's placed in. But I think what you said earlier, like people in those blue zones uh, that living to be 100 and whatever years old, they're not, they're not eating as much and our whole country right now in the, this obesity epidemic, our whole country is based on overconsumption. Like every commercial that you see is trying yeah. to get you to buy something and it's on our phones. Yeah. They're like advertising like everywhere. So we're built on a society, which is capitalism of overconsumption. And I don't think capitalism is, is a bad thing. Like I don't think anything's inherently good or bad, but um, I think people need to be aware and just be more conscious and intentional with the way that they're doing things with their, you know, eating habits or, or their buying habits, whatever it is. So they don't end up having to pay tens of thousands of dollars in healthcare down the road. And, and, you know, they're living longer on these drugs, but their quality of life is just trash. So it, right. it's just right. like, we can save ourselves so much pain and heartache by just making you know, easier decisions right now. And one of the biggest things I tell my clients is you know, we don't need to eat six times a day. Like we always thought, like I used to be that person too. Like, Oh, I need six meals a day to stay lean. No, I don't know where that came from because as I did more and more research, um, 
when you take bigger spaces between meals, like five, six hours, what happens is your glucagon starts kicking in. So you have insulin and glucagon. And when people get diabetes, it's, you know, insulin resistance, type two diabetes. So insulin is everything. And it usually has to do with your fiber intake and, and, you know, a lot of other, the foods that you're putting in, but after two hours, your insulin stops working and your glucagon kicks in to start pulling energy from your stored fat. And that's how you start to get leaner and leaner. So if you're never giving your body that chance to like fast a little bit, then you're, it's going to be a lot harder for you to actually see, um, you know, your weight go down if you're not working out, you know, six days a week. And I always like to tell people, you don't have to work out crazy to lose weight. It's your eating habits. It's the timing. It's, you know, the content of what you're putting in your body more so than anything. Yeah, I feel that process happening in real time when you eat and then go a long period without eating and then eat again. Mm -hmm. It does feel like that's what's supposed to be happening in your body because you're doing this thing where you're kind of processing all of this stuff and then you can almost feel in your body things are going up, blood sugar spiking, all these different things are happening in your body in all these various systems and then it all kind of levels out, you know? And yep. then you can even get to a point where it almost like gets lower and you mm -hmm. feel like maybe I'm hungry and I need to eat more but if you push past that point, then you come yeah. back up and really do level out and can kind of sustain yourself and your energy. And that's probably right. how we're supposed to kind of be interacting with food as, as humans, yeah. because yes. obviously in the wild, food isn't just readily available like it is in American society. But right. yeah, I mean, the thing about capitalism, you know, is there shouldn't be a lot of regulation on selling t-shirts because it's not a life or death thing like you know if you can if you can buy a gucci shirt and you can afford it you know gucci should be able to sell it for however much they want and you know it should be relatively kind of free market capitalism but when there's right. things that are actually related to our health and well-being as a society or our safety right, right? Mm -hmm. like you know the military is not a a a, a, a private entity right and so why is why is food not regulated you know much more heavily why right. why right. is it that you know we can't figure out how to actually create a, a more central organization that helps distribute produce into lower income communities at a higher level and stop creating these you know right it's, all it's about the money a hundred percent about the money Bro, we're being treated for our lifestyle decisions with drugs that then right. pays the big pharma. And people don't realize that, you know, they don't have to be on all these medications if they just were to stop eating what they're eating. Right. And they can save so much money on their medications or whatever just by switching their diet. And they're going to live a better quality of life for years to come for and save tens of thousands of dollars here's the thing people pay 90 percent of the money that people spend on health care is in the last 10 years of their life wow it's crazy bro. it's crazy yeah so it's just based on like the decisions we're making and most of them are unconscious 
Well, when you go back and, to those those blue zones, I guarantee that that's not the same thing there, right? The people are living a great quality of life well into their 80s, 90s, hundreds yep. sometimes. Running around. Yeah. Like, you don't see people like, I see, you know, I'm outside a lot training and I see a lot of people walking around uh, and a lot of older people like just shuffling along, hardly able to walk with their walkers and stuff. Like backs all like bent in and like, it's just like, damn, that's not what I want to be. And it doesn't have to be like that. But I think people just don't realize it doesn't have to be like that because we see it so much. It's the norm now. So I think, I feel like people just uh, need that awareness. And I think it, it's coming, you know, I think more people are becoming more aware of it because this is the age of information. We have everything in our hand right now. Totally. I agree. I'm an optimist in that, in that stance. You know, we can all kind of pool our information together and be better uh, mm -hmm. together without needing the help of, you know, our government or whatever. Cause if they're not going to do the work, then fine. Let's just, let's just come together as people and have right. these conversations and try and, you know, collectively move forward a little bit. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing with, with the people, uh, in the blue zones that, that, that we're talking about is the activity level that you said, what they're eating and when they're not eating too, a big part of it. And just like the direct correlation between, you know, calories and mm -hmm. risk of death like the more calories you eat in your life the higher yeah. your risk of death is yeah. and the other component that i thought was really interesting was the social aspect of yeah. food yeah. and the idea that if you're sharing a meal with your community and you know it's more of a social aspect that goes a long way for longevity because those positive feelings that you have while you come together and have a meal together, as opposed to sitting by yourself and eating some meal, uh, make a huge difference in your overall health. And so these people that are living in these communities are, you know, spending all day working on, you know, the olive tree and then getting together with, you know, six of their friends and having a bottle of wine and, you know, some dinner that's like plant-based and whole foods and laughing and having a good time. Yep. So, I mean, they're living the life. They're happy, yeah. eating yeah. good, socially active, physically yeah. active. That's the trifecta. I feel like, uh, you know, it's, I feel like the emotion, the emotional aspect of food is really taken for granted because like when you are happy and you feel good about what you're eating, it does things to your brain and body that actually make you live longer, bro. It's, it's really crazy. The hormones that are secreted when we just feel good is what makes those people live such a long time in those blue zones. And an interesting um, thing about, uh, I learned from this book called Lifespan and it talks about the blue zones. It talks about basically ways that eventually we're gonna be living to like 120, 150 years old. Because even since like, you know, two, 300 years ago, maybe even earlier than that, life expectancy was like 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And now it's up to 80, it's doubled. And so who's to say it's not gonna double again? Because we have better science, we have all this stuff. But um, so this book talks about, you know, the blue zones and, and how they don't eat that much and how fasting affects our, uh, affects our basically our survival system and it makes us live longer 
through these different components like mTOR and stuff like that. I can't remember all the specifics, but it talks specifically about the community aspect of how these people eat and how they're, they feel good, just like you said. And I feel like that's really underrated in terms of it's the effect on how long people can live just feeling good. So maybe it's not, you know, maybe you could eat, you could be in America eating that same diet by yourself and still get cancer, still get like some type of disease because you feel like you're depressed because you're alone. You know what I mean? So that social aspect of eating is it can go both ways. It's so important to be eating good food with good people that you like versus eating bad food alone by yourself. You know what I mean? Totally. So there's a whole spectrum to it. And I even bet that even if you're not eating the best food necessarily, if you're eating it right. in a positive group setting where you're feeling yes. good and your stress level is yep. down, your inflammation yep. is down because your stress level is down, you're probably processing that food better than if you were to be eating that by yeah. yourself, depressed, you know, lonely, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. And it's really right. interesting. All these things are connected. It kind of goes back to your point of the, the, the mentality aspect of this and being present and mindful and when you're with a group of people right. sharing a meal, you're forced to be in the moment and be mindful. And all of a sudden those stress yeah. levels come down and all these positive things are happening while you're right. also doing this thing that you need to do to survive, eat. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we, we, we lost that a little bit, I think, especially oh, in, in, in our country. This whole you know? year, man. I have clients that, you know, didn't leave the house like for the whole entire day because they're just stuck on their computer what yeah. that does to you man you don't see people you don't see the sun you don't like you don't get the physical activity that you're getting so it literally takes everything away that's good and you're just stuck with yourself and this computer with the blue light in your face until late at night which affects your sleep which then makes you more depressed so it, this whole year was i can see why it was so rough on a lot of people man and i just feel blessed to be able to say that you know, it was beneficial for me, but I can see it. Like I've seen it in my clients, how much it affected them mentally and physically. Yeah, I do feel like this is gonna take a toll and probably have some long lasting effect to a big percentage of people. I'm sure. It's not just gonna be a thing where we come out of this and we're like, cool. A lot of people are gonna have a lot of energy to get back into the swing of things and socialize and everything, mm -hmm. but there's going to be a lot of things, mental health stuff, physical health stuff that we're going to have to work through over these next few years to yeah, get back sure. to a point where we're feeling good. No, and it's kind of crazy. I feel like the pendulum is always swinging, right? So it's going to swing one way and then it's going to swing all the way back the other direction. So I feel like the things that happen that are quote unquote bad can sometimes end up being a really good wake up call for a lot of people, you know? Right. And just right. Shift, shift that whole like, perspective of what we thought life should be like to something more directed uh towards something that's going to be beneficial for everybody um so i feel like mental health has been there's been a huge spotlight on mental health throughout this whole uh quarantine i think that's going to lead to a lot of you know positive changes in, in people's lives but like you said uh people who i feel like there's going to be some lasting effects for a lot of people who don't see the benefits of the positive stuff happening that get stuck in the habit 
of being depressed. They get addicted to those emotions of being depressed. And uh, if they have kids, maybe that is passed on. That you know, state of mind is passed on to the kids. The kids are also home all day, not seeing their friends. They're learning on computers. Like, how's that going to affect like our future generations? So I think a lot's up in the air right now, but I feel like there there will be good and bad that come out of it. But you know, what can we do? We just gotta do our best. So if you had a magic wand, I mean, you know, the 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 just the Garrett Jones kind of wish list of what we can do as individuals to start to just make some meaningful changes in our life right now, even while we're going through a really tough situation. Mm-hmm. What would you know those that those top three things be for people? Top three things, I would say every morning, and every night, write down five things that you're grateful for, different things, and why you're grateful for them. Just writing it down is going to make a huge difference. Um, drink more water. If you drink more water, you're you're bound to eat a little bit less. You'll be more hydrated. You're going to feel better, even if you're not getting great sleep. Water is one of the best things to help with your recovery when you don't get great sleep. Uh, we're made of water, so we need it. And three things that we could do right now, read, educate yourself. Just read more books. Listen, to, it's so easy to find information, man. Like Audible is there, um, you know, just in your car, whatever. Just educate yourself because knowledge is the key to bringing more awareness into your life on how you can change. So write down what you're grateful for, even if it's just in the morning or just at night. I I feel like that's a huge one Um, and get used to doing that. Drink more water and educate yourself. Yeah, this has been a really inspiring conversation on these topics, man. You got me, you got me pumped up wanting to make some changes (laughs) over here. Awesome. Hey, anytime you need like any tips or anything, just hit me up, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, why, why don't you tell people where, where they can uh, connect with you, anything else you got going on, um, you know, let, let the people know. Okay. So I'm on Instagram at Garrett.JJones. So G-A-R-R-E-T-T dot J-J-O-N-E-S. Um, I post mostly fitness stuff on there, some motivational stuff on on my story and in my captions. I'm on Twitter, just not that much at the same handle. Um, I do have a YouTube channel that I'm kind of trying to optimize right now. Um, just Garrett Jones. You can, you can search that. And, uh, that's about it. That's it. That, that, that's, there we go, man. Big things coming. Big things yeah. coming. 2021 is going to be a good year, man. We're already off to a yeah. good start. Conversations like this get me pumped up. Bro, I'm pumped. I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely going to, definitely going to have you come back. Eventually I'm going to start doing these in person too. So oh, we'll yeah. definitely, you know, we'll definitely get one in in person. And, uh, you know, just keep, keep the positive energy flowing for, for the, for the people, man. And and for myself. So I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate this time that you took to, you know, just have this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Cam Mika show, Garrett Jones. We out of here. Peace.